sometimes for me, seeing is so much easier to comprehend than just hearing a story. So I would just show you if tiny house is what's on your heart, we just go walk them. We're going to go inside. You're going to crawl up in the loft and go, oh my goodness, this is so cool. So if it's that, or if it's your own place or a place you're interested in, just walk it. See what your, how your heart feels as you're out there and you're praying, okay, Lord, is this it? You know, send the blimp over and tell me exactly. I'll do whatever you say. I just need your input. And I think physically walking properties for me helps me know if this is where I'm headed or not. You're listening to the Blue Collar Money Podcast, theories of middle-class investing. I am your host, P.W. Gopal, performance coach and entrepreneur. And along with the Blue Collar Money team, we want to say thank you for taking the time to join us today. Our goal is to help you get your hands dirty, get you unstuck, and help you live out your best financial story. Hey, welcome back to Blue Collar Money Theories of Middle Class Investing. This is episode 81, part two of our interview with Terry Ziegler. Uh, we had incredible feedback from that first uh, episode. Uh, she's actually in our, she's number five right now in our top 10 downloads. Um, so many people are interested in the short-term rental market and uh, and tuned in and really got some incredible value from, from what she shared. I can't wait uh, to go down next month. Uh, yeah, a little bit over a month and, and visit with her and just see uh, all what they are are doing and creating down there, um, yeah, pumped about it. So, thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for your listenership. We are uh, continuing to to try and um, put good and reliable content together for you, and really honor the values. Um, you know, for those of you who are tuning in kind of late in the game and, and haven't really gone back, I would encourage you to check out our, our first, you know, 40, 50 episodes and you'll get a good idea um, of some of the the baseline information that we want people to be, to be familiar with. Um, the Mindset of an Investor was a 10-part series and we have been revisiting that and, uh, and kind of building upon that. The the Seven Roads of Investing is kind of a seven-part series. We talked about U.S. finance. Um, and we continue uh, to to kind of harp on these things because, you know, we really want to build a listener base that has a shared uh, has shared vision, you know, for their future. We, we believe, um, you know, in five values, in a kingdom mindset, in our kingdom citizenship that God would ask us, uh, to steward what he has given us, Lord, in, in, in such a way that we could honor him, um, that we would have values that would honor him. Uh, kingdom values is kind of how we refer to it. It's the un- it's the, the qualities of, hi- of his character that we uniquely get to uh, show the world <clears throat> that we would produce, um, that our hands would be uh, out there, um, to bless people, to bless him, that we'd be financially intelligent, you know, that we'd always be working on our financial education, 
uh, and then we would be risk averse. And so we've got a ton of lessons on those things. So please go back and and check those out. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are getting anything out of this, um, actually, if you're getting good value out of this, we'd we'd love a five star review on uh, whatever platform you are listening to us. And uh, and if you uh, really are getting value out of this, we would love uh, we would love a tip. Um, if I, I'm in the show notes, I'm putting up a PayPal link uh, to an email. And if you'd love to throw a tip our way, that would greatly help us to keep uh, this podcast going. Right now, uh, the Dow is sitting a little bit above 36,000. Um, we are, gosh, in our neighborhood, it's about $3.24 uh, for a gallon of gas. Groceries are elevated. I think we're, I mean, our family's probably paying $100 more a month. Um, in our shop is seeing, um, a sharp decline in car part availability. So instead of being able to get a, a, a part in a couple of hours, uh, it's usually taking a day or two, um, to find uh, certain parts. Shocks and struts are hard to come by. Rotors are even harder to come by. Um, yeah, just steel in general has gotten more expensive. So, um, you know, something to consider, uh, supply chain is, is, you know, taking a hit. Um, we've got tons and tons and tons of boats just sitting in port because there's nobody there to unload them. Um, we are starting to see the ripples of, and I I won't say we're starting to see hyperinflation. I have no idea when that's going to kick in, but uh, we're starting to see the ripples of the of money production of the currency production that um, that our government has been pretty active at. I mean, we have, I guess, I think one of our listeners told me this: we've sixty percent of the money supply of the currency supply that exists right now um, has been printed in the last two years. Um, I think that's right. Uh, if it's not, it's a I'll have to get the 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 uh, the reference for that, but it is a significant amount. I think it sounds right to me mainly because of the the uh, the last couple stimulus packages. I mean, that it is significant to put that much currency in play. But here is the narrative that I want to govern our our blue collar money family, uh, and it's about timing and perspective. Is in these times where we're sitting on the kind of the edge of a cliff and there's um, there's a lot of you know potential energy sitting there. Um, we don't want to be holding debt. We don't want to be holding the wrong products. And we don't want to be necessarily heavily invested in the market when this thing goes kinetic to the downside. Uh, you've heard me talk about the Fibonacci sequence. I was a retail trader for a long time and did a lot of... Um, I use the Fibonacci sequence a lot. I use it every day. And so we can talk about that another date. But right now, we talked about this when we started our podcast that, you know, the Dow really wants to be between, um, you know, what we thought was 25 and 18,000. Um, and it broke out of 25 and it went to 29.5. And, uh, you know, and because it did that, because it retraced from 29 back, I can't remember what it went down to, 
back to 29. Um, now the next stopping point, like major, major, major stopping point is going to be 40,000 and change. And we're pretty close to hitting that. I mean, we're just at 36. It won't take much to push it. There's a lot of ones and zeros um, sitting in ledgers all over the world now. And that money can easily be uh, coaxed into the stock market. Stock market that's not producing a whole lot of value. Um, but it's just, it's able to be the prettiest pig in the market um, and draw the most attention. And so for perspective, and think of it this way, in 2011, the Dow was somewhere around 11,000. I think when I started trading, it was around 11,000. Uh, the Dow right now sits at 36,000. And so in 10 years, uh, people have quadrupled their money. And I just want us to, for a brief moment, just think about um, that movement. And, and even just the, you know, these trains can't run forever. They have to take a break. They have to take a breather. Um, you know, we have, we have pushed over and over and over again that we think this market is fraudulent. It's actually, it doesn't actually produce anything. It doesn't, it's not doing what God has intended for our investments to do. And so my question to you with all this backstory and, uh, drama is what are you doing, um, to make your pivot, um, out of the market into cash flow? You know, Daniel Johnson, um, told us about the three-legged stool. So it's cash flow, it's, it's, uh, businesses and it's real estate. And those are the things that we really want to build our financial portfolio on. You know, the market can be part of it, but it shouldn't be all of it. You know, there's so many of us that are um, just leaning on this market. You know, we work our day jobs, we make our little extra money, and we put it into the market. I got some friends that are in crypto right now. I mean, that's as much of the Wild West as anything else. Um, and there's no, there's no production there. So I'm, I'm going to keep pushing. We're going to keep beating the same drum. Um, what are you doing to make uh, that pivot? And, uh, you know, and the other part of that is just where's the value coming from? So this is <clears throat> not scripture, so you take it as you will. Um, I've been a big fan of, of uh, Catholic writers, uh, Henry Nouwen, uh, Thomas Merton, um, Brendan Manning, you know, kind of above all of them, but just have always been interested in um, meditation and silence and just a monastic lifestyle. And so I came across this. This is out of books, a book called the, the Sayings of the Desert Fathers. My wife got this for me as a gift. Um, but this is a story from the journal of a, of a gentleman named Brother Felix. Uh, so I'm or Abba Felix. So I'm going to read this and, and uh, maybe we can get some perspective on it. it. Says some brothers who had some seculars with them went to see Abba Felix and they begged him to say a word to them, but the old men kept silence. After they had asked for a long time, he said to them, "You wish to hear a word?" They said, "Yes, Abba." Then the old man said to them, "There are no more words any nowadays." When the brothers used to consult the old men, and when they did what was said to them, God showed them how to speak. But now, since they ask without doing that which they hear, God has withdrawn the grace of the word from the old men, and they do not find anything to say. 
because there are no longer any who carry their words out. Hearing this, the brothers groaned, saying, Pray for us, Abba. And this is not, I mean, that story was written you know, 1,700 years ago. And we're pretty much, you know, in and out of the same cycle. God speaks. Uh, we listen, but we don't carry out the words. And so God removes the favor of his voice from us. And I just can't think of a more taxing event than God removing his, not only his voice, but his presence. Um, very few people in the last couple of years, but even in the last decade of my life where I really have been paying attention to this, very few people have start their sentences to me with, well, I was spending time with the Lord and he said this to me. It's usually I am running around and don't have much time. I have, you know, that's the backstory. And then it turns into um, believers mimicking what they see. And that monkey see, monkey, monkey do principle is not what's given to us in scripture. I mean, we are encouraged and that with, um, with intensity in the book of James to, to listen and then to do, um, you know, and warned that if we, if we, it's like seeing ourselves in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what we look like. Um, God has given us, uh, the ability to sit. It should be of, of, of high priority for us, uh, to sit and to listen to him because he's, he's a God of order, um, but he's a specific God, you know, we, it's our, in our financial intelligence, financial education will push you to know what's reasonable, but that ain't always what God's asking of us. It, what we, what he may ask of us probably will be on the scope of our skill and understanding. It may put us in dangerous waters. It may put us in uh, a place of increased risk, but it's a place that he will, that he's providing for. And so it's really important for us to know uh, his voice, to sit um, and then to carry out, um, you know, the commands, what he has asked of us. So all that to say, um, when I when I sit and think about um, my time with Terry Ziegler, I think about a person who hears from God and even she said uh, she would love to hear from him more, but, she, but someone who listens to God and then... Uh, does what he says. And it it sounds like painfully simple, but it was such an encouragement and a great reminder to me um, that there is enough time in the day for me to stop. There's enough time in the day for you to stop and to listen and to ask God, is this what you want for me? What, what are my next steps? What are my next steps? God, you've given me these things. What do I do with the, do the with these things how do i return favor and honor to you and uh in how i use them and how i spend the things that you've given me in my time energy resources in my talents and my gifts um lord am i listening well we know you're speaking perfectly um what is next for me so father i do pray for your revelation. I pray for your voice to be loud. I pray for our blue collar money family to to still ourselves, um, not just to set aside time to get through the day, uh, but to really fuel ourselves 
um, with your presence. Father, to carry on that conversation uh, throughout the day uh, with you, to to hear from you, Lord, to feel you orchestrating uh, our steps and guiding us. God, you've given us so much. Uh, you've been incredibly generous. Um, and we know that there's more. We know that you have more uh, for us to learn, more for us to do on your behalf. God, for this season, we offer our hands and our feet to you. We, we pray that we would put our blood into the ground that we would produce, Lord, that we would honor you and that we would bless others, Father, so they could see you. We thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you so much for the folks that are listening. I pray uh, power over them and blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you again for listening in. Uh, I've gotten a couple emails just in the last week um, from folks that have um, really made have made the pivot and are really trying. It's just been so encouraging to see our family moving in this way. And I mean our blue collar money uh, family. Um, very grateful for y'all uh, to, to, to join me in this journey, um, to live out loud, uh, to make mistakes together, to encourage one another, and to really see God's kingdom move forward. Uh, let's get better at this and let's start. Um, Terry Ziegler um, is an incredible person and please go back and listen to episode 80 and you'll get a little bit more of her backstory, but we're going to jump into part two of our time with real estate investor Terry Ziegler. Go get him. When we spoke last time, mainly because this is what Amanda and I are very interested in, it's just, you know, tiny homes, small, small units that we can use as an Airbnb. You said, come down here, walk with me, pray with me, and see what you see. And so we're going to come down Good. there in, in December and, and visit with you. But for those folks that aren't going to make it to Florida anytime soon to see what you do, um, what what are they going to see? Um, what like what are you going to show me? Like what what's what's the first thing you want me to see? Um. Well, I think just walking the ground. Um, sometimes for me, seeing is so much easier to comprehend than just hearing a story. So I would just show you if tiny house is what's on your heart, we just go walk them. We're going to go inside. You're going to crawl up in the loft and go, Oh my goodness, this is so cool. So if it's that, or if it's your own place or a place you're interested in, just walk it, see what your, how your heart feels as you're out there and you're praying, okay, Lord, is this it? You know, send the blimp over and tell me exactly. I'll do whatever you say. I just need your input. And I think physically walking properties for me helps me know if this is where I'm headed or not. Now, some of the investors that um, whose homes you manage, um, are they, do they, are they coming to you saying, Hey, our heart is for this kind of home or this kind of home or this kind of home, or are no. they saying, hey, just give me the best numbers. Neither. Well, Neither. I guess a couple did that. Uh, the majority of them are just buddies of mine that, you know, decided, hey, I'm going to vacation at Disney World and Terry's down there. So let's check in and see what she's doing in life. And they walk <laughs> them and they see the numbers and they go, well, why, why am I not doing this? Right, right. And I go, you can. 
and they go, okay, well, we're not, you know, you're a little cheerleader crazy and maybe you're just telling us all the good stuff. We'll buy one and see what happens. Okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. And within six months, I bought two more, three more. Most okay. of my owners did that. They bought one, tested it out, see if we like this, um, and go from there. Most of them have three or four or five now. Okay. But these are folks that have the ability to to buy yep. you know, one, mm. two, three, four, or five. We, we were going to talk about that. So, yeah. and, and this will sound completely backwards to you, probably. <laughs> so if you have cash, great, and you don't have anywhere that you can put, put your money and make this kind of return, or you want to just diversify, fine, cash it out. That's fine. If, however... And, my favorite investors are 20 and 30 year olds. I love them. This will change their life. Um, they don't have cash. So some places you can uh, get financing, some you can't. So if you have to have financing that limits what we're going to buy, great, no problem. So, I, and here's the part that I think that you'll think is weird. Put down the least you can. Don't prepay. Don't put extra principal down each month. Don't try to pay it off fast. But the least investment you can and let strangers in the world that are paying you rent pay for this property for you. So that when you stockpile then another however much money you need for a down payment to buy a second one, you just replicate the whole thing, right? And then instead of throwing all your money at your first investment, let the market pay for it. Take the, the gain that you have and use it to put down and get a second mortgage and do it again. So that's what most people I'll talk to are like, oh, no, I have to be debt free. And I'm like, okay, if that's what the Lord's called you to, then be debt free. But if you're looking to me for my opinion, my opinion is this, and that is you put down as little as possible, finance the balance, the interest expense can be written off as a business expense. I mean, if the system, if the model, if the business model works for you, replicate it over and over again. And that's right. what we did. And so that's how we ended up with a handful of them. And so now we pay cash for them and, I don't know. And That's then, what works for us. I, I want our listeners to hear this, but the unique thing about about where you are is that you you are in a place where, um, you know, Disney came and went, right? So it it survived COVID. It came back, uh, but regardless, even if COVID never happened, it is Disney, and so everyone is going there. Like I live in Asheville, so it's if it's even possible to find a rental property here, you know, because you're competing with sharks nobody is ever going to leave Asheville alone. This is everyone's favorite place. You know, like people flock here. So buying a rental, buying and holding a rental here is a great idea. I just want folks to know that like, if you start, it's called cash flow hacking. This is like the term that people have described to me is you put a little bit down, you get it cash flowing. Um, you use that money to qualify for the next one and the next one, the next one. I did that in 2000 and I bought a house in 1999. I used that house to buy another one. Um, and then I was using both those homes to qualify for a third. And then, uh, and then the market 
tanked and I lost the two that I had. Um, and I went into 50 grand in debt, almost had to file bankruptcy. I mean, it was, it was a worst case scenario. Amanda and I almost didn't get married because of it, because, you know, she was pushing marriage and I was like, Hey, I, I'm a songwriter and I might have to file bankruptcy. I don't, I don't know how to do any of this. You know, I had to go to court in Kentucky. I mean, it was just terrible. I I, yeah, it was terrible. So I get really nervous about the idea of being of somebody using a model, but not understanding the landscape that there are dangers to it. There is risk. So choose your city and your neighborhood wisely. Yeah. And go in, don't go buy, a, you know, a big fancy property. That's why I suggested, well, number one, pray through it, cover it in prayer and wait on the Lord. Once you feel that, okay, it's time to go forward. I had a missionary call me two days ago and go, hey, you know, we've been talking about buying a tiny house for a long time. We're in Poland and, but the Lord's telling us to do it right now. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see if we can figure this out. So wait on the Lord to tell you and then start small. Start by hosting people in your house. Do you even like this business? Do you like the way it is? Then maybe buy an RV. Maybe you like camping. So when you're not out camping, put the people in your camper. (laughs) You laugh, but I'm serious. No, I love it. I love it. Get the smallest investment in as possible and and here's here's my motto yeah if i have somebody coming to stay in one of my properties now i'm a woman so this may not (laughs) relate to everybody but if i have a guest coming and staying in my home my trailer my tiny house my condo my house wherever they're coming they're all equal i don't care how big it is or how little it is my motto my brain is my kids are coming or my kid, grandkids are coming for a visit and I get a chalkboard and I welcome them by their first names. Huh. Welcome Ellis and Kristen and Abby. And I put out a bag of cookies and a can of Pringles, you know, so they don't get smashed. And so they may have traveled all day and went to a park and they come home and it's the first night they move in and they walk in and their name's on the board, man. Hmm. I'm in the right place. And and they know I'm here hmm. and they left me some snacks. You can do things that are so inexpensive to show that you really love these people being there. It's the same thing you do if your kids have been gone for a year or your grandkids and they're coming home and you're going to bake them some cookies. You're going to welcome them with open arms. That's how we handle every guest we have and i think that's really important that comes back to the love of people more than the love of money you know just take care of your people take be jesus to every person you meet and you don't have to worry about the money it just i don't know it just shows up at least in this business (laughs) okay so i have to ask you because i'm as you've been talking my mind keeps going back to the to the roach story it's true. Uh, it happened this morning. I know. I know and I'm, so this is, this is on topic, but we have a rental property right next to us and the condensate line out of the, out of the furnace, out of the evaporator plugged up. I didn't know it. 
and owners didn't or the renters didn't know it and so the tray which doesn't have a shutoff kept overflowing yep. they renters are walking through the hall the floor is soft and so they called and said hey the floor is soft and i know exactly what that means and and i'm i've been working on my knees um you know for 20 some years and and i know it's going to be a full couple of days of pain and so i went in there yesterday and tore out the floor, tore out the subfloor, tore out the insulation, and got into just active mold. I mean, just respirators, the whole bit, just gross. And yeah, I I think people, yeah, I think people have to have an understanding um, that if you if you own it, um, bad things are going to come up, and you got to plan for it. You got to deal with it. For me. It wasn't, it's not a high cost fix, but it's a, it's a, the mental issue. Um, so I've gotten hit with those several times and they've, some of them have been huge blowups. So I have, I almost get like triggered, like when the phone rings, and I'm, I don't want to like, answer it. I'm like, Oh no, it's going to be really bad. Sometimes it's just little and God just is saying, Hey, just go serve those folks. Go love on them. Go yep. love on him and I'll take care of the rest. And he really did. Like yesterday was a miracle. It sounds dumb, but it really was. When when you get the call and 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 I you've own, you own and manage so many properties, when you get those calls, what keeps you from the panic? Okay. Well, if I could show you my knees, well, I can show you because we're on Zoom. <laughs> I have my knees are all busted up, and that's because I've fallen and tripped and so many times just in doing things the wrong way. So it's okay. a bigger speech, right? Right. So um, we now do preventative maintenance. We know about those condensation lines and AC units. So we have HVAC company that we use. We have uh, maintenance teams that do an inspection, a systems inspection every six to eight weeks. We change the filters out and we suck out those lines so they don't overflow. <laughs> So we have six or eight townhomes at the HVAC, the inside units upstairs. And here's the call I get. Well, honey, it's raining in the dining room and we don't know what to do because it's not raining outside. Well, <laughs> the line backed up. It's not funny, but I know why you're laughing. I feel the pain. Well, I was in Alaska talking to you. This happened in one of our houses. Oh, it's goodness. raining in the dining room. So then I got sheetrock I got to cut out. I got the ceiling on the dining room table. Yeah. So the best thing that we have found is to do preventative maintenance and to be aware, but it just comes with time and yeah. learning. And yeah, the owner that had the roach infestation this morning, it, she's in central time zone and it's like i don't know the middle of the night when all this starts happening and she's calling me so she has that panic every time she gets yeah. a call i don't know if i've just numbed out to it or <laughs> if i really think this is a way for me to reach these people and i'm going to be yeah. so gracious to them and loving and see know more about their life Instead of just being a surface level, well, hi, I know your name is Susie and your name is Jim Bob or whatever, and you're staying in my place. Now I get to learn about you and tell you, I, I'm so sorry. We're going to do everything. We're going to have somebody out. I'm going to give you your money back. Yeah. I want you to have a great time on your vacation because you've saved maybe for two years to get 
come on vacation. So if you can turn it back to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, man, I've done my best. I promise you. And I'm going to work on this one and tell me what, how to love on these people. What do they need right now in life and how can I love on them? But it, I, I get your stomach acid ah, when the phone rings. Um, yeah, and all of mine are short-term. We, the, the, at least what we're talking about, we probably have six or eight long-termers right now um, that are six to 12-month leases. But for the majority of them, they're short-term. and We don't get to know anything about them other than their first names. Mm-hmm. Um, so every now and then these catastrophes happen, and sometimes the Lord can turn that to really minister to somebody that might need it. It's not all about me and what's happening and the tragedy of this terrible work I'm going to have to do because something broke, which it is, but it's not all about me. It's about how can I reach them and make this better for them? Man, that's, I love that. It's hard though, honey. It's It's hard. hard. It's hard. (laughs) I mean, I emptied a bottle of Advil in three days. Uh, (laughs) I get it. And I know people that have it worse and it's just, yeah, my heart, my heart goes out to folks that are, you know, I mean, the podcast is called blue collar money, blue collar folks, middle-class folks, they don't get into investments, um, you know, easy. And so, and there's not a great place for people to learn about this stuff, unless for some reason God is, you know, giving you some incredible mentor that you can follow. You can learn 80% of it on YouTube and listen to podcasts and the last 20% will take your legs out. Yeah. You know, so people will start and they won't finish. So I have friends they are amazing friends. They've got a property that I can't even describe. It's at the top of a mountain. Um, it's family property and they use the basement up for Airbnb. I've lived there um, in there. You know, we stayed there for a short time before because we couldn't move into our place. It was I couldn't get it done in time, but they had um, a couple folks complain and, and they really, they, they really go overboard. Like they, they, the welcome, the setup, it's just stunning. They had a couple problem people give them such bad low, reviews, such bad reviews that it, it took them out of the super host category into, you know, well, like whatever is not super host. And it just, they lost their stomach for it. So it's no longer available for rent. And it was such a, it, it shouldn't affect me, but it was like such a heartbreaking thing for me because I know what this place is. I know it can do for people. And now it's, it's off the market because of a couple of bad apples. How, what do you do to recover from an event where somebody gives you a bad review or rating or? You're just asking me the hard questions. Yeah, this I mean, is a hard question. <laughs> So let me just tell you, Airbnb is not perfect. Um, Airbnb started, I don't know, 12 years ago, something like that. And at that point, they were major pro host, man. We are going to support your efforts. Yay. Well, now they swung completely the other direction. And they're very pro guest and hosts have big challenges. So (laughs) here's a story. Uh, one of our properties is a four bedroom townhouse. People checked in, they were doing drugs. Uh, they were tearing up the place. They were jumping off the balcony into the swimming pool in the middle of the night, being loud after quiet hours, all that stuff. So the management at the resort picked them out. I call Airbnb, tell them what's happened. Airbnb cancels the reservation, says, yeah, they're out. 
Well, they wouldn't leave. It was a whole story. Finally, we get them out of the property. And um, they were allowed to leave a review. And they gave us a one star because they could not. There's no button to push to put a zero star, right? So it couldn't be any worse. This is the worst people, worst house, worst. We're terrible. And Airbnb allowed it to be posted, even though they themselves had canceled the reservation because of this, these people doing illegal stuff. So does it happen? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Do they leave it on your record? Yes. You respond to, you can respond to any um, review anybody gives you. And you just do your best to say, wow, this was a difficult situation. I'm so sorry you didn't enjoy us. You didn't enjoy the property, whatever. And we wish you all the best. And now I think we're six to 7,000 five-star reviews. So negatives don't personally on, on my properties that I personally don't injure us that much anymore. It's more of, okay, thank goodness. Every now and then we get bad review because then the world knows these aren't bought reviews or whatever, because there's some concern in the market that if every review is perfect and this must've been a bot, you know, they buy all their reviews okay. excuse me, or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's hard. Those are the hard questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, there so is, it, you can respond so the, to them. There's a tipping point where, you know, I mean, just numbers, if, if one out of five or 6,000 is bad, it's not going to affect you. But for, for somebody who's just starting out, it's, I, I, I just love what you said. You know, you do the best that you can. You love these people like Jesus would love them. And then you just kind of have to leave it to him. And you still may get that bad review, right? Yeah. And I have a house right now that precious guy owns this house. And I don't know what the deal is, but he just can't get good reviews. And it makes no sense to me. There's no logical reason. So in that case, we probably close down that listing, breathe for a minute, do a little repainting, a little, you know, I mean, the house is brand new. I don't know what the problem is, but go in and do a little refresh of something and relist it. Okay. Okay. That we've never done that before, but in one case I have, I, that's a possibility. Okay. And just start fresh. You lose all your good reviews. Uh, you lose everything if you start oh, over. Wow. Yeah. But. Okay. I want to, um, as, as we close up here, um, I want to get into actual like costs of, you know, cause when you described our initial conversation, you said, you know, if you're thinking small, you could think, um, camping spot, RV, uh, single wide, tiny home and maybe i'm forgetting another one but you said they all yeah. they all could qualify as you know technically a in a resort like they they all could all work in in a neighborhood there in florida and that might not be the case in, in most states but maybe just in these areas in florida um when you talk about a tiny home so i'm assuming um we use the term in 
in Western North Carolina of a micro home, which means a tiny home on a slab. So it's like, it's like a home. It's on a slab. It's not on a trailer that you can roll away. Okay. Um, so what, what do those exist in Florida or when you say tiny home, are you literally talking about a home on a trailer? Okay. So let's talk about a couple of things before we get into specific expenses. Number one, you've got to do some due diligence to make sure that the use is allowed wherever you're going. So if you're moving an RV into an RV park, most RV parks think it's, you know, your little family is moving in to stay for the weekend and uh, then you're going to hook up your trailer to your truck and move out. Talk to the management. Make sure it's okay if you leave this thing. You know, let me negotiate a monthly rent with you. Maybe there's a little discount. And understand that I'm responsible for everything that happens in here. But I'm going to be letting friends stay there or I'm going to be renting it out on whatever platform you choose to use. So make sure the use is allowed. Okay. In the specific area you're planning to do it. Like if there's a management or homeowners association or whatever, make sure they're going to allow this. You don't want to commit to by getting all these reservations. And then you find out after the first or second one there, well, you can't rent this out to other people. So make sure the use is allowed. The second thing is you're going to have three different taxing jurisdictions, federal, state, and local, which is our county government here in Florida, you got to make sure it's allowed. We So we have Osceola County and Orange County right next to each other here in Florida. And Orange County doesn't allow it, and Osceola County does allow it. So you have to see, you know, what taxes and what license do I have to have? And say to Florida, I have to have a hotel license. Um, and the county, I have to have a business license. So Make sure before you spend money and buy something that what you're thinking is allowed by law. Okay. Okay. So now let's talk about expenses. When I say tiny house, um, they're called park models. They're 400 square feet and they are on axle with a pull tongue thing. And to cover the pull tongue, the manufacturer builds uh, a porch. Okay. Like a little covered deck. So, yes, ours can be moved. They are tied down to county standard, requiring that you have to get a building permit and get license and all that. But, no, we remove the wheels, we tie them down, and they have skirts on them. So that's what a tiny house here looks like. We also have some RVs. You know, an RV is the thing you pull behind your truck. So we've even bought some of those that are 30 years old. We tie them down. We remodel them inside so you walk in, you think you're in a little condo, super cute, bohemian cute, you know. And so we really, you, we have all kind of properties that people would live in. I mean, you would sleep in a camper, so we rent out camper. So um, I can give you some general costs that we have. Is that what you're looking for? Maybe completely different in your area or whatever. Yeah, well, I was thinking like if somebody were going to buy a the tiny home that you just described, where uh-huh. it's, you know wheels are off but skirted, yep. what forty to be, sixty thousand. Forty to sixty. Yep. Okay, and then, and that's in place, tied down. You're buying it from somebody that's already been there, brand new, having it delivered. You're probably talking 
80 to 90,000. Because then you have to pour slabs and parking and all that kind of stuff. So buy the used stuff. They work great. And then the the RVs, um, you said you bought some of those and then and upfitted them. Uh, like fifteen to twenty thousand. Fifteen to twenty, and then the upfit cost on top of that. Well, that that's all in. That's all in. Yeah. And that's a hundred bucks a night. Um. Ish. Eighty to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Okay. So you can do the little math numbers on that. That's why I say go in small and see if you like it. Okay. The great thing is if you hate it, you can turn around and usually sell it almost immediately. Cause some people, I mean, I've had it two or three people that buy in. They're like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to worry about that phone call in the middle of the night because Roach is dropping on somebody's head or whatever. <laughs> and they turn around. And the good thing is they can almost always recover their what they have in it. That's Remember those two things we look at. Appreciation. Are we in an area that I can sell this thing if I need to and get my money out of it? And the second thing is, you know, the positive cash flow monthly. But um, yeah, so the two or three that have come in and said, nope, this is not for me. They turn around and sold them. And I don't know if the real real estate market is as strong everywhere as it is here, but here you can sell something within a week. I mean, it's just, yeah. So I want to, well, first I want to say thank you because I I have a ton of notes here. Um, It makes me more excited to come down and visit in December. Good. Hang hang out a little bit. We, I am going to figure out a time. This, this is a quick turnaround for us because we're coming down for a wedding. But I want to come down and hang out mainly because I miss, I miss Brockway. I'd love to hang out a little bit more. And but we both have a love of movies. Um, (laughs) We talked about that before. I, I'm. That's one of the things that I think COVID, you know, took away from me is, is sitting in a comfy seat in AC with and peanut M and M. On your popcorn. It's dumb. It sounds dumb, but I'm. I really miss that. So we're gonna we're gonna do that uh, when when we come down. But um, yeah, thank you for the time and the the value because this is this is really important for people. We have a ton, and I mean a ton of listeners that are trying to get started, and and this is important information, um, and especially because you're encouraging us to go back to God, to hear from him, to pray like crazy. One of the things that you said that I feel is unique. Um, and, and I want you to maybe talk about it a little bit is this, you said, you know, you use the term Jesus freak and you, you do this because you love people in a time where left and right don't like each other. There's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of tension in our country. I even feel it in myself, you know, where I want to become more of an introvert. COVID has helped me become more of an introvert. Um, I don't trust people from Adam. Like I just, I'm just that way. So it's encouraging to hear from somebody who said, who is saying like, God wants us to love on people in a way that he would love on them. Can you maybe tell me, uh, why that's still that way for you why you haven't you haven't given up loving on people no clue (laughs) i'm sorry i really um maybe that's how i was knitted together i 
Um, it's not something I work at. It's just who I am. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I could never go pull a subfloor out and do all that stuff. And hmm. so maybe that's just a gift that the Lord gave me. I, I, I truly don't know. I'm sorry. I can't answer that. I don't know. I know that I just trust the Lord and maybe in he, I don't, I don't know. My little saying whenever I'm talking to folks is, honey, you can't even control your next heartbeat or your next breath. Why would you worry about anything? And that goes back to the creator that holds us all in his hands. And I, I just don't worry about stuff. If I can't worry about those two really critical things in my life, I just truly don't. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I can't answer your question. No, I I honestly can't think of a better way to finish out our time together because, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you like that. You are unique and special and, and God has knit you together. Um, and, and I think it's a gift to love on people in that way. And it's a good example for us because I think, you know, it encourages me to go to God and ask for favor for somebody else, you know, because I can, I think God can impart any gift um, at any time. So I can ask for favor on myself to be good and gracious to somebody, even if it's not my gifting. I am, I have the gift of negativity. I have the gift of cynicism. <laughs> like I have all these gifts that are not helpful. Um, so I love the fact that you're reminding me to go to God and that he can impart his goodness through me uh, to somebody else. So um, Terry, this has been awesome. Um, I can't wait for folks to hear this. And is it okay if folks reach out to you? I don't, I mean, I don't want you to get flooded with stuff if y'all are not. Sure. Okay. Maybe e email might be the best way. And yeah. Yeah. that way, um, cause my whole team can see the email and whoever okay. can answer a question they might have, the whole team can look at it. Okay. And, yeah. So well, you I want me to give you that yeah. or text yeah, it to you or I'll, whatever i'll put well i have your email uh, or well, is it the business i'm gonna email? give you my yeah, i'm gonna give you my business team email yeah do that and i will put it in the show notes so if anybody is listening and they want to find you they can just go to whatever their platform is they're listening to and they can find your email there um man thank you thank you thank you thank you for doing this this is awesome um i can't wait for folks to hear this cool well pw i you always um, make me smile. I love talking to you and uh, I just hope you have a great day. Um, I'm going to shoot you a note privately when we're done here and okay. we're going to get you set up to uh, when you're here in December, come stay on one of our properties so you can get the understanding of what we do. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. Groovy. Thank have you. a great day. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye Terry. Thank you. Friends, you've been listening to Blue Collar Money, theories of middle-class investing. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. We very much appreciate you taking the time to join us. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you live out your best financial story.